Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Java House. And thank you very much for their continued support. Five locations, or six locations now, in and around Indy, or use promo code PITLANE10 for 10% off your order. We have a new Substack post written by Frenchie coming on Friday. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you already got it, so check the link for that as well, which we'll tweet out this weekend. I guess that's really it. I don't I don't really have like an off-topic, off-racing topic to start this week, but... The meat satchel story from last week did get a, a big chuckle out of said person when she, she when she went back to listen to it. So uh, that's that. That reminds me of the this beef a good... council. <laughs> I sh- oh man, I should have told that story too. But I mean, I guess there's there's time. So yeah, that's that's all I got there. I don't I don't know. I it's uh, it's it's been a long week. Daytona 500 is this weekend. Frenchie, are you gonna watch? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that race is long, so we'll see how long I last. If there's just too much wreckage and yellow flag time, then I might get frustrated. But I'm I'm giving it a shot. I mean, I watched part of the clash, and that ended up in too much chaos for me, where it was kind of a crash fest. But I think, hopefully, Daytona won't be like that until the end, which the end of Daytona always takes like 30 minutes. Yeah, I have a busy weekend for many reasons I'm not getting into on here, but I hope I can stay awake for most of it. But if I end up taking a nap and watching the last, you know, 50 laps, I'll I'll, I'll be happy with that. Especially if Connor makes it. If Connor if Connor doesn't make it, I might be less inclined to watch the beginning but i mean i'll probably watch the beginning doze off or walk the dog and then watch the end so let's let's start with the big news or i guess the kind of the probably the big talking point that you want to get with get to let's do that one first today because we don't have too much to get to you mean the announcement that we heard today yes okay so you mentioned that blog post and uh it's related to this big announcement that tony Kanan says that his final IndyCar start will be this year's Indy 500. Um, So I guess he's going to retire, basically. This is the real retirement. This is what Tony's last ride or something, part two. TK's last ride? Yeah, TK's last ride. There you go. So, you know, this is pretty cool. I hope he goes out with some success. Um, I hope you guys read my blog post. I spent some time just kind of thinking about his career and tried to boil it down into a top five moments, which is pretty hard for someone who's run in the sport for now 25 years. Cause he started in cart in 1998. You know, I mean, he's got some huge moments in his career and it'll be interesting to see him in the McLaren car because I expect them to be pretty strong at Indy in May. Yeah. I, Man, his his career has been fun to follow. There's been some some awesome battles he's had on track over the years, and obviously his 500 win is probably top of the charts for him. TK's last ride, which obviously got extended for COVID and and you know maybe a little bit more desire. But whatever he does next, I hope it's around racing. He does. He's been doing a lot of like sim racing stuff or sim gaming stuff. It seems like, which is cool if that's his 
outlet into the post actually driving a, a race car world that that'd be cool to, to follow along with too so i don't have too much i i didn't get to watch in on the press conference but my buddy wolfgang from from germany mr i have two questions was was actually on there this, for the first time in for a couple of years so that's that was my biggest takeaway from what i read about it i think that he is too big for the sport to completely go away <laughs> it's going to be like elio right you know when elio eventually retires which who knows when that's going to happen he seems way more resistant to do that than tk is but i guess elio only also has one child and tk has like five does he he has at least three sons and a daughter, so maybe it's four. Okay, okay. But I, I th- he'll be around. He's too much of a face of the sport to go away and just hide somewhere. And he's too popular, right? Like, I think, I don't how many followers does he have on Twitter? It's a lot. <laughs> he's got 632,000, which, if I'm not mistaken... Yeah, is even more than the IndyCar account itself, which has four hundred fifty thousand. So Tony Kanaan is huge. Yeah, that's rough. Sorry, Daniel's going to be making multiple appearances this week because of my my setup. But just oh. <laughs> as you said that, he said to chime back in. <laughs> I think the thing that caught me off guard the most was like on IndyCar content days is both Elio and TK like showed a lot of drive, like, I want to still be doing this, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you didn't think it was about to be a retirement announcement. Uh, But here we are, so I'm sad, but at the same time, I think it's, you know, it's deserving. I think he deserves to do whatever he wants and enjoy life and enjoy family. Next piece of news that you sent me this the other day that was, I think it kind of went under the radar, unfortunately, is that um, the Peretta team basically has to look for another option in the GM stable because let's see, there's some kind of a staffing availability problem at Ed Carpenter. That means that their 2023 partnership, the continuation of uh, wait, they were partners last year, right? Or no. Okay. They were partners last year. It was the year before they're a Penske partner. Correct. So they're not just, they're not able to continue that for 2023. And I don't know that, that concerns me somewhat if they're going to be able to find someone else in the GM stable. But, you know, I think Beth Peretta has got enough of a connection to GM itself that maybe they can pull some strings for her. Yeah. That article didn't lead me to believe that a GM Chevy tie was necessary for them to find a team to partner with this year. But I still don't know, and we were saying this last week with like the 500 one-off entries, just kind of looking, I need to remind, you know, they're not going, you know, it's definitely not Yunkos. Obviously, it's not Carpenter. It's not going to be Penske. It's not going to be McLaren. It's not going to be Foyt. So you've pretty much eliminated all the Chevy teams at this point. Maybe Dreyer and Reinbold, if Dreyer and Reinbold wants to do more than the 500, kind of, again, I think you mentioned that one last week. You know, it's not going to be Ganassi and Honda, probably not going to be Andretti or Shank. So and maybe Coin again, it's, it's a shame because I think that program is really cool and they've, they've 
they made some really good improvements last year as their three or four race deal kind of went on. But I don't know how they can fit in this year. I don't, I right now, like saying that I don't see it. My, this, this might be mean. Uh, and I hope it's not taken that way. But to be honest, I would just want Ed Carpenter to step back at this point. Like, don't run that third car at all the ovals. Lend those resources to Peretta. And yes, maybe you can run the 500 because that's what matters to him. And that's what I think he still has a chance of potentially winning and having success there. But, you know, for him to just step back and kind of let this partnership happen and have another female in the series would be cooler to me than seeing him continue to just kind of run on the ovals. Yeah, that's a very good point. I kind of neglected to think about that one. I don't know if there's much more IndyCar news, unfortunately. We're getting to the point where, obviously, all the seats have been decided. We had the testing, right? So there wasn't much to talk about with that because... Everyone's seen the timesheets and you can't read that much into testing. I think the last thing that I will mention is just we saw some interesting guys um, testing at Sebring. We didn't really get to watch it, but we had and we had mentioned that this was going to happen. This wasn't a shock or anything. People, for some reason, seem to be really (laughs) taken aback or like surprised or something or like read way too much into Felipe Nasser in the Penske number two car testing at Sebring and then Nick Cassidy, who is an envisioned formula E driver and who had a lot of success in Japan before that in super formula, um, testing the Ganassi car. And from all accounts, I mean, we know Felipe Nasser, he was in F1. He's a badass. you know, he's going to do well. He's in the Porsche GTP car. There's not much more. I don't think, you know, to prove that he belongs in IndyCar. I mean, if there's a space, he deserves it. Right. Nick Cassidy seems like probably the same thing. Yeah, agreed. Sorry. Wasn't Nasser supposed to be part-time in IndyCar in 2020? Was that Carlin? Yeah, it was Carlin, I think. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I I mean, I thought we all kind of knew it was happening, so I didn't know where the massive surprise was, but whatever. Cool that he got to test. Glad he did well. I don't think anything's coming from it this year. No. And I mean, we saw a few years ago, who was it? Antonio Felix da Costa tested for Ray Hall. And that, I mean, that might lead to nothing. He's with now Porsche in Formula E. That's a pretty sweet setup. And we know Formula E pays more than IndyCar. You know, maybe these guys will want to come over to IndyCar just for the sake of it being... I don't know. No, you don't have to do energy saving and all that kind of stuff. And it's, I would say, more pure. Nick Cassidy said that he, if he, if he's gonna do it, he's gonna do the ovals, which I respect massively because dig it. That's awesome. So yeah, you know, hopefully someone will pay attention to these guys. They're not old by any means, and you know, we shouldn't ignore these people and their tests. They, they don't mean nothing, but to read into them also is a waste of time. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, they're on the radar, but this doesn't mean the deal is coming. Although Kiwi Fest at Ganassi would be interesting. It would be Scott <laughs> Dixon, Marcus Armstrong, and Nick Cassidy. That'd be pretty pretty funny. What's next? I guess, should we switch over to F1 real quick and 
briefly talk about some of the launches we've seen and the little piece of news that we have? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so since we last recorded, there have been a lot of launches. Alpha Towery launched in New York on Saturday. Meh. Aston Martin launched Monday, along with McLaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari launched Valentine's Day, which was yesterday as we're recording this. Mercedes launched today, and then tomorrow Alpine will launch. So have we seen that much? No. I mean, Ferrari ran the car on track at Fiorano, which was pretty cool. Yep. And from everything we're hearing, they feel confident that they've gotten the engine reliable enough where they can turn it back up. What I'm hearing is that may produce about three-tenths of a second in lap time. All right. It doesn't look like they've changed their design on the car that much to really change the aero of the car. But, if I mean, if you really crank that engine back up to the performance that we were seeing at the beginning of last season... Hey, I mean, maybe we do have a championship fight on our hands. I'll believe it when I see it, but... Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I The only thing I have to add there is... I don't really like the McLaren livery all that much. It's kind of... Yeah. The Aston Martin is... Aston Martin is, is obviously the same, but... It's like... To me, it's like Ferrari Junior. Like, it's still the same, but... it They just knock it out of the park. Like, that yeah. simplicity is really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that's contradictory to what I feel about Red Bull, but shut up and don't say anything. <laughs> so that's what I have to say there, and we'll see. You know, I hope Ferrari does better. I hope we have a three-way fight on our hands for the title. I mean, I hope, obviously, Mercedes does better, too. It sounds like Aston Martin, from their launch, were pretty happy. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting 
the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chicken flag. Happy with the outcome of their car. They've not said anything about, hey, we're going to be you know, fighting for championships or wins. I think yeah. they were pretty quick to say, don't expect that yet. But, I mean, to see them at the head of the midfield would not surprise me. All right. I could live with that. Because of Alonzo and just the development. I mean, Lance Stroll, it's funny. There's this meme that I think I sent you that it was a picture of Lawrence Stroll that said something about what was it like um, firing your son because he's not good yeah. enough or something. And then yeah. there's like a picture of him underneath. That's like hiring world champions to completely demoralize your son until he just quits on his own. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And I, you know, we've talked about this. I think we talked about this with Sarah. I don't know why Lance Stroll gets the hate or why I have this reaction to him. I don't feel like I actually hate him, but he just, uh, yeah, I think it's probably because of his dad that he just gets a bad rap. Yeah, yeah, probably. Mercedes is all black. Um, and part of that is because I guess they were overweight last season. And there's weight savings going on now by not painting the car. It's bare carbon, which I so know, is dumb. that cool or not? OK, you said it's dumb. I, I mean, it's dumb. I think Mercedes pulled it off because it looks the car looks sick, but. I think the the fact that we have to worry about weight saving by doing bare carbon instead of paint is really lame. Yeah, especially when we talked about last week that three kilos or whatever it was or something, two kilos that they couldn't figure out how to get rid of. Um, The last thing I want to mention is McLaren seemed pretty downtrodden from all the quotes (laughs) that I was reading at their launch. They were basically like, yeah... We thought we made some kind of steps forward, but we're not completely satisfied with our car. And Lando Norris said some stuff about how their success is still a couple of years away. And it's like, dude, he's going to quit by the time that they come good. He's going to just be at Mercedes or something. I just don't understand how, like, you know, they didn't have a good year last year, but they kind of figured it out, like, partway through and they weren't, like, atrocious. And, like, how many steps backwards did they take? Obviously, we won't know. I don't care what you say about testing. We're not going to know until after the first race of the season. But damn, it's it's rough. It's just, if you're a McLaren fan, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Williams actually seemed more satisfied with the progress that they made than McLaren yeah. seemed about their car. So if McLaren doesn't feel like they've made any steps forward and all the other teams, including the back of the grid, like Williams are making progress that could be really bad news yeah all right um this is not really big news but i figure it's a slow news week and we should just mention it hamilton and mercedes have had their first chat over his new contract so everyone who's speculating he's going to retire can lewis hamilton's going to sign one-year deals for the next couple years at 800 million dollars a year he could do race by race deals like uh, Senna was doing in 1993 when he yeah, wanted to go to yeah. Williams instead. I don't think that'll happen, although it would be kind of fun if it did. 
they'd have to just he i think can hold them hostage at, at pretty much at this point like unless george really destroys him which i don't see happening no then you need to keep lewis until he retires because if he goes somewhere else he's gonna beat you so you can't get rid of him yeah no not happening not happening nor should it last bit of news before we end for the day this is a pretty short episode is that in what is labeled as an exclusive interview and i don't know about that yet because it was only published a little while ago um but i guess let's give a shout out to planetf1.com who apparently got this exclusive interview with mario andretti regarding those controversial i would say or Mm -hmm. um annoying but also kind of interesting you know, have a piece of truth comments that Stefano Stefano Domenicali made. Um, Let's see what he said. I'm going to read it to you guys. He said, all we've ever done is show excitement. Maybe myself at the prospects of seeing Michael entering formula one. I don't think there should be anything wrong with that for the rest. We're following every bit of protocol. I think everything's in place right now. That's all we can do. You can look at this thing in different ways, but I don't feel that we have violated or have done anything wrong, just showing the excitement of doing this. So if we're a bit open about it, speaking with the press and so forth, that's life. That's the way we do things. But I don't know where anyone could say we've done something really wrong. That's the way that I look at it. We've done everything the system, quote unquote, has asked, including bringing General Motors, the biggest US US manufacturer, a giant of a manufacturer making a long-term commitment. Of course, we're going to talk about it because it's big news. If others are less vocal, maybe it's because they have nothing exciting to share. Good Lord. And it goes on. But I don't think we need to read um, no more than that. Other than we've been told clearly all along, if we have a manufacturer, it's a different story. So GM should be a game changer. We'll continue to fight for a place in F1, every aspect of it. We followed protocol. We have absolutely respected the process now. For over a year, we've met the requirements. We brought the manufacturer, and we're excited. <sighs> all right. Well... As we said a couple weeks ago at one point, their frustration about F1 teams being greedy, not totally wrong. Gunther Steiner said something similar the other day about an 11th team doesn't really excite him for X, Y, and Z reasons. Greedy. Fine. I don't even think we've, I don't even think I sent that to you the other day. Anyway, I, okay, I I get where he's coming at. I have a few kind of, uh, frustrations, I don't know, X, whatever you want to call it. Like, GM is not coming in as a full constructor, or a full engine manufacturer, at least the first couple years. Mm-hmm. So, you have a manufacturer, yes, they're very, they're, you know, the biggest manufacturer, auto manufacturer in the US, probably sure. I'm not up on my car sales metrics, but they're probably up there. I, I don't have any issue with how they've done things, but Domenicali said, yeah, you know, speaking out like that, probably not so good. And then Mario's essentially kind of doing the same thing. And that's kind of where I'm just like, guys, just clearly F1 teams and Domenicali don't want this like stuff in the press. So just complain to him, complain to the teams, complain to Gunther Steiner, only Gunther Steiner, and 
you know, just just do it that way. I don't have an issue with their frustrations. I don't. I think their frustrations are valid. I just don't think the way they're voicing them again it is the right way to handle it. Could they still get an F one team from this? Sure. I I still think it's you know highly possible. But I mean, there's they they definitely don't have anybody on their side right now. And with our pal uh, Muhammad Ben Salem kind of sliding back further and further they're losing somebody who actually did speak up in their favor so you just got to play the game now you got to play the game f1 wants you to play yeah i think the only thing i have to add to that is it's clear that i mean mario was obviously in f1 he knows sort of how the politics work michael was in f1 briefly he definitely knows how the politics works because you know they were unfortunate for him. But I think that soured probably both Mario and Michael a bit on F1. And this is almost their long game plan of coming back to show everyone that they deserve a spot. And that's why they're not willing to just kind of be told to be quiet, even though it's the yeah. smart move they have such a resentment for the F1 establishment and want to go in and beat them, which, I mean, that's a cool motivation. And I respect that. Yeah, and I would love be that. very interesting to see, but I totally agree with you. Like it's clear now Domenicali has made his comments. He wasn't even mean. He just said it was not smart to say that's not saying like what they said was wrong. He didn't say anything about the greed comment being false. He didn't, he didn't refute that whatsoever. He said it's probably not smart to say say that out loud, which yeah. I 100% agree. If you have these people, their fate is in these people's hands. You don't bite the hand that feeds you, right? So just stop talking. Play the political game a little bit. You have to kind of like suck it up and eat your pride a little bit. And then you'll probably have a way better chance instead of just continuing to basically poke the bear. Like they tell you to stop talking the thread is there, like stop talking basically, or we're, we're, it's not going to work out. And they just keep commenting on it. Yeah. Like that, that I, I'm sure there's more than, you know, the, the, that Asian team kind of said, Hey, we're interested in joining F1. I forget the Pran name. No. They've got like, like that Panther looking logo. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. Panthera or something. Yeah. Something like that. And anyway, they said, Hey, we're interested. And that's all you heard. Probably because I saw Andretti and they're like, ah, shit, we probably shouldn't speak out like that. Again, this is not saying I disagree with anything Mario or Michael has actually said. Exactly. But, like, it's just stop kicking yourself in the face, right. metaphorically speaking. Yeah, don't be your own worst enemy because yes. what you're saying we all agree with, but it doesn't need to be said until maybe and you talk about it later once you've already got the seat or something. But... Just now is not a good time to continue to harp on this. It's not going to get you your way. Yep. All right. Glad we agree. We'll wrap it there. We'll be back next week to, I don't know, maybe we'll do like F1 predictions next week and do some IndyCar news. We're about a month, less than a month, to IndyCar and F1. We are just about exactly a month until Sebring, so yay for that, and everybody enjoy the Daytona 500.
Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.